0: Greetings on the 29th day of September, 2023. Time marches on. Nothing stops that. Somebody said that time is the measured span of eternity. The older I get, the more I understand that. Eternity was before time and is after time. Uh, God is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. And that's who we kind of speak about and think about and pray to in our walk as believers. So in Galatians chapter 6, 1 through 10, We're going to talk about, and this is what Paul had been talking about, old habits versus new principles. Old habits, they say, die hard. But we'll read the context, and then we'll get to the body of the message today. Uh, My prayer is God will bless his word to your heart today, as every time that I record one of these and broadcast it. Galatians 6.1 Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work. Then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches In all good things, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, or unto all, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So this is... uh, if you're a, a student of Paul's epistles, you see he kind of does this closing exhortation and comments and this is his way of closing out his epistles. He, he goes to general instructions to summarize the applications of the things that, that are found in the spiritual walk and life as opposed to a life of works and supposed merit. Now, keep in mind as we, as we go through this and as we talk about this transition that the observances of the law among the Jews were kept for many generations. So the transition from the form of the law and its historic past with its habitual observances and ritual procedures such a thing would not be inclined to give way easily. You want to keep that in mind. Galatians 6 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in the fault, you which are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. So, brethren is uh, a word that would address fellow believers among the churches. If a man or a brother was guilty of a fault, and the fault means actually a side slip, a lapse or a transgression. If he be guilty of a fault, the spiritual ones were to restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, also meaning gentleness and humility. And they would do so because they're considering their self or having the understanding that even you yourself Cannot be guiltless every hour of every day. Being empathetic as not even you yourself are immune from committing a fault. That's the concept, considering thyself, that's the concept behind that, lest you also be tempted. Verse 2 Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now this is obviously given in the context of the first verse understanding that the fault of the brother is a temporary thing hopefully uh, the the life of the spirit of life uh, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus leads one to abhor those things that are not right, to discontinue the practice and the observance of them. In Romans 15, 1, Paul says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. And so this is kind of saying the same thing. Uh, you need to understand there's strong people and there's, there's people who are not so strong. Typically, the not so strong are going to be the younger believers, and uh, they need more patience, they need more instruction, they, they need uh, more care than those who are older in the faith. And James 2.8 says, "If you if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and if you do that, you'll do well. Love your neighbors yourself. So, if, if found in a fault or a side slip, the brother who did so ought to receive such instruction and direction so as to deliver him from the fault and also edify him, lift him up in instruction and example. Giving him the tools to overcome such difficulties, the law of Christ, who is the example. At at the bottom, the bottom line of that is this: Jesus doing for us what we are unable to do for ourselves, and in that way also provide for us a way out of bondage and into the glorious freedom of the sons of God. Having then been delivered from that bondage into liberty, it would make no logical or practical sense for the one delivered to seek to again be captive in his old bondage. It's not logical and not practical. If, however, one's nature has not been truly changed, if he had not been regenerated or born again, then his old nature had not changed, and he would have no other desire than to walk in the old path. The nature is the key to a changed life as the will and the character and the behavior all flow from the nature. Galatians 6.3 For if a man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. If a person thinks too high of himself, to be honest with you, most people do, and says that he would never slip or never fail or never sin. His view of self is one of pride and not one of reality. He is guilty of self-deception. Because apart from Christ, what is he? He is nothing. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, But by the grace of God I am what I am. I am what I am by the grace of God. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I. But the grace of God, which was with me. There's no room for boasting then when you say, yet not I. I am what I am, but it wasn't me that attained that but the grace of God which was with me, Galatians 6, 4. But let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Every person should test and examine his own work, his own efforts. And he should then not have need to rejoice in another's labors. Now, this does not refer to a boastful attitude or a parading of one's accomplishments in front of others. It, it, it refers to this, that within myself, in examining, okay, test and examine your own work, within myself, and this is, I'm sharing with you what I do, in what I do, in what I accomplish, what I build, is always done out of a sense of stewardship. In that I have been given gifts, talents, and insights, and I need to use them for the sake and benefit of others. And and the, the dimension of that we'll talk about in a little bit. I also need to be faithful to God who has given me these gifts, that I may answer to him as a good steward of those gifts that he has given me? Then we hit Galatians six five. For every man shall bear his own burden. Now this looks like a contradiction to verse two: "Bear ye one another's burdens." And then he says in verse five: "Shall every man shall bear his own burden." Okay, so what do we do with that? It seems like a contradiction. I know that it does, and I. But I really don't think it's meant that way. And let me explain that because not all burdens are self-imposed. Yes, I, I sow and I reap, but not all the burdens that come upon me are a result of my sowing and reaping. Sometimes events happen that are ex extracurricular, outside that scope. And what I mean by that, sometimes God may burden you with a a burden that uh, is designed for your growth. So in that I say, not all burdens are self-imposed. And as such, there may be need for a brother to step under the load with you and help to bear it on a temporary basis or as needed. Now, again, going back to, the, we'll go to First Corinthians 10, Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He says, There's no temptation or no testing. Uh, that means to put to proof, taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not? Suffer or allow you to be tempted or tested above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to what? To bear it. It doesn't necessarily mean escaping, it means getting relief that you may be able to bear it. Uh, Whereas testing and temptation are trials. And often they are designed as a putting to proof, if you will. So I I used to do a lot of welding, and there was uh, I studied the characteristics of metal and stuff. And there's different things that characteristics that certain metals have. Uh, Tensile strength is one of them. Tensile strength is how you determine the tensile tensile strength of a metal. So it's like I used to do a lot of welding in the Navy with uh, just stick rod, it was 6011. It was the designation of it, but the 60 was uh, the tensile strength of that particular rod. So it was 60,000 pounds tensile strength. So if you had a good weld uh, with that rod, it would be able to withstand a tensile strength or pulling apart up to 60,000 pounds. So that's that's kind of this putting to proof. They 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 put things under stress in order to see what kind of stuff they're made out of. And we go back to the the parable of the of the good Samaritan. It, uh, the aim of the good Samaritan was the recovery of of the man who fell prey, who fell among thieves, who fell prey to robbers. And when you think about that, okay, that was an exterior thing. He just fell prey to the robbers. So this is a melding of verse two with verse six. Okay, he was incapable of bearing his own burden because he was basically laying unconscious in the street, be up. Okay, so and read read that just as a, a, a refresher. The the parable of the good Samaritan is a good example. But uh, the Good Samaritan bore the burden for the man who had fallen among thieves, and he he did such in in a very honorable way. Now, having said that, the bearing of another's burden does not mean to enable one's addiction to drugs or alcohol. Because each individual is born with a thing that's called personal responsibility. This bearing one another's burden also does not mean to enable another in gross sin or wickedness or sexual deviation. That's not what it means at all. Because there's a point in such things where grace is needs to end, and the one given such grace come underneath his own burden. And that's why he, how you reconcile verse 2 and verse 5. They need to own their responsibility or their lack of responsibility as a participant in humanity and order. It's interesting that the Greek word for the word world, uh, cosmos, the definition for that is the orderly arrangement. So if you're a member of the world, you're you're participating in all of this, you have a responsibility, like it or not. You live in a a civilization, Well, the root word right there is civil. And if you're going to be civil, there's a certain standards that you have to abide by in order to be civil. So that just goes without saying. So this is not exhibiting grace to the point where you're enabling people to continue to, to to do the things that they're doing and not owning up to their own personal responsibility. You need to bring them to that, but that needs to be made plain on a regular basis. And if they are not willing to abide by the order and have that that goal in sight, then do not enable them to continue to do that in their irresponsibility. Galatians 6.6, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. What that means is, the one being taught in the word is exhorted to distribute partake and to share with or unto him that teaches in all good things. Now, obviously, this is Paul's instructions to the the churches of Galatia. And he has said this in other epistles. uh, The one teaching you, you need to partake with him, to share your bounty with him, as it were, as he is the one who wants it for your soul. This is to be undertaken as a realization that it actually takes means in order for men to speak and teach God's word to others. When I say means, it's it's, it's like you can't say well depart in peace be ye warmed and filled. That's not what it's talking about. It takes means. Uh they have material needs. Paul had material needs. It, it cost him money to to, to take a ship from one port to another. All that came from offerings from uh, the churches. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether the means comes by way of money, gifts, food, or other needs. Such men may encounter in their ministries. And their needs are probably far greater than what you can imagine, uh, especially when, when re- you consider their spiritual needs. They would solicit your prayers. Galatians 6, 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Or whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Okay, this, that's universal. Law. In context, okay, going back to verse 6, if you are cheap in your giving to the one who teaches spiritual things, in that sowing of the act is that which you shall also reap. So if you are cheap there, you get to pay for that. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, he shall reap. And you need to understand that the reaping is more in quantity in the same way that one kernel of corn yields a multitude of kernels in the ear of the corn. It is true for one. It is true for all, saved or unsaved, good or bad. You reap what you sow. That's one of the universal laws of life. Now, just as a side note, to the parent who understands this, as they watch their children grow and mature through life, and they see the poor decisions made by their children, it is often accompanied with grief. As the parent knows the story of sowing and reaping, it may take a day, a week, a year, a decade, or a lifetime but that which is sown shall be reaped. God is not mocked. Galatians 6, 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. The one who sows to his or her own flesh. It's mine and you're not getting that kind of thing. You're not getting any. Uh, You really don't own anything. If you think about it. Who has given unto life and breath and all things? God has. Okay. Anyone to the one who sows to his or her own flesh who is not a partaker with others in the Christian walk but seeks only to satisfy the wants of self the needs of self At the end of that is corruption or ruin and there's there's lots of people out there like that 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 are not they're not they're not faithful in their in their promises they're not faithful in their in their uh, in their contracts, a breach of contract is uh, lawyers get rich off of that stuff. Okay, so you you want to keep that in mind, and it's much like the rich man in in Luke sixteen who fared sumptuously every day. Uh, he ends up in hell because number one, he didn't share his bounty with the beggar Lazarus. And obviously, he wasn't concerned with anything outside of himself. It's called a carnal appetite. Uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's all they feed. That's all they feed because that's all they're concerned about. They, they have no spiritual pursuit whatsoever. So there are only two things a person can sow to, flesh or spirit. So it makes sense, then, if if you're not sowing to the Spirit, you're sowing to the flesh. And if you're not sowing to the flesh, then you're sowing to the Spirit. Each effort has its own reward. God is not mocked. Galatians 6, 9, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So, well doing would be things done that are beautiful and good and valuable and virtuous. And that's that doesn't that's not uh, that's not the only definition, but that's typical of the things that are done that are uh, well doing. Things things done not for the benefit of self, but for the benefit and building up of others. And again, we go back to 1 Corinthians 10, because it, it mirrors some of this in verse 23 and 24. Paul says, All things are lawful to me or for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. So, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, in due season is a time that is regulated by the Father. And then at that time we shall reap if we faint not. Growing weary in well-doing may be the expectations we have in the deed of well-doing. It may be doing the good deed, expecting something in return. What's ironic about that is we had just studied the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit tree just yields its fruit. There are no expectations because that's what fruit trees do. They just yield fruit. It's not like they give you a qualifying questionnaire when you go to pluck a fruit from the fruit tree asking you what you did to deserve the fruit. It doesn't do that. Okay, that's that's the point I'm making. The fruit tree just yields fruit because it's a fruit tree. The fruit of the Spirit's the same way. Okay. It flows out. The water of life flows out. Okay. Well-doing does not seek its own. It does not act in expectation, but flows forth from the waters of grace. The love and grace genuine believers receive from God is of a type that begs to be shared with others, with no expectation, for it is given in joy and love and we love because we, he first loved us. If there be any conduit of love and joy in the world, it ought to come through and from God's genuine people. Galatians 6.10, as we have therefore opportunity. It doesn't say as we therefore are put under obligation or put under expectation, but be looking for what? Opportunity. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us good, do good unto all, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So as we have occasion, and that's what that means. Let us do good unto all, but particularly unto those who are of the household or a relative of faith—that is, the brethren. Okay, there's there's a there's an underlying premise, and I'm not necessarily just talking about uh, flesh and spirit here. Uh, just just for this little interlude of time, I want to talk to you about once humanity. Okay, you live and breathe. You've got two eyes, two ears. You've got two nostrils. You've got one mouth. You've got all the things that qualify you as, as, a, as a human being, but do you have humanity? When you, when you think about, there seems to me there, there has to be some sort of qualified definition of humanity. To me, humanity is not being cruel. That's not humanity. That's animalistic. Things that you do that that even the animals don't do. That's not humanity. That's decadence and that's evil. Okay. So. That's kind of what I'm talking to when you see somebody on a street corner that's begging and they have a little infant by their side and you walk by them. That's not humanity. God's people above all people need to manifest not only the grace of God, but just show yourself to be a human being. Doing good unto all, but with a keen eye towards your brethren as God gives you the occasion to do so. You know, I have seen simple people being joyous people. I have seen these these people that had very little being thankful to God for what they did have. Conversely, I have seen those with much keeping wealth to themselves to their own hurt. That was uh, a long time ago. I was reading my World Vision magazine. There was a time when I when I when I uh, sponsored children through World Vision, but I got I had this magazine and I was going through the pages of this magazine and and there was a. Uh, the picture of a family in Africa, obviously in Africa, they had a, the man was standing with a spear and he was looking at the camera and he was standing in front of a, a mud hut that may have been 12 feet across and his wife was seen behind him sweeping the entryway of that. And behind him were his two children and also two goats. And that man, the way that he looked at the camera, gave me the impression that he thought he was doing quite well. And then I turned the page. And here's an ad. For a... Uh, from a a Formica dealer about how housewives should worry about what kind of countertops they should have. And the, and the, the, the contradiction between those two just struck me like a bolt of lightning. You had this guy in Africa being very proud of what little he had and then you had this, this house housewife in America being concerned about the color of her countertops. Well, poverty may remove distractions. Wealth may encumber one with distractions. Jesus gave us a hint. He said this having therefore food and raiment or food and clothing, let us therefore be content. And obviously, it seemed to me like the man in Africa had it far and above. that whole concept down pat better than the worried housewife in America concerning the color of her countertops. When I talk about humanity, it's kind of what I'm talking about. Appreciate what you have. Be thankful for it, but be willing to share it. Anyway, that's the... uh, old habits and new principles, you know, the new principles, this, the new covenant is not just the new covenant. It's also a new, a new way of life for the believer. It's, I think I probably know too many professing believers who are actually starving their spiritual self. The spirit of God that dwells in you, if you if you are a genuine believer, needs the stewardship of that spirit needs to be needs to be undertaken seriously. Okay, that the spirit needs refreshing, refreshing through the Word of God, the principles and the practices of the Word of God to know them to cherish them, to walk by them, to teach them, to emulate them before other people. That is it for today. Lord willing, we shall close out the epistle of Galatians next week. I want to remind you of this thing that I told you about last time. This progressive thing. That uh, Paul had hidden, and I say that, of course, he, it's not hidden. It's, but I pick out these patterns, and it's a, it's a it's a progressive pattern that he has, and the first one is in, in Galatians four twenty nine, um, where it mentions him that was born after the spirit. Okay, and you think about the born being born after the spirit. And then in 5.5, 5, for we through the Spirit. Now, we can't be through the Spirit until we are born of the Spirit, right? Okay, then he says in 5.16, this I say, then walk in the Spirit. And then he says, uh, if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Then in, in verse 25 of chapter 5, if we live in the Spirit. And then finally in 6.8. He that soweth to the Spirit. Okay, so there's the progression there, sowing to the Spirit, living in the Spirit, and then the next progressive step is sowing to the Spirit. What have, you, what have you, if you are indwelled by the Spirit of God, what have you sown unto Him recently? Thank you for listening. May God bless you and your household.